to another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nithin. This is part two uh, of our Trade Deadline podcast. Rapid reactions after what has been a crazy, crazy morning um, or afternoon of, of action around the league. So, Nithin, let's get started. What did you think, man? Well, firstly, what I think is when we finished recording on Wednesday night, I was pretty much convinced Kyrie Irving was going to be the biggest domino to drop. I think we even talked about the fact that we didn't need to come back until the following week to recap. Little did I know uh, a top 12 player of all time was going to get dealt, you know, four hours after you press stop on the recording. Uh, And then the other thing I didn't know is that uh, tonight was going to be my Jordan flu game, essentially. Like I, something is wrong with me. I'm battling food poisoning stomach bug who knows what it is just like jordan it's going to be a veil of mystery until my 10-part documentary comes out in 20 years but the reality is i'm laboring through and i would only do it for one guy and that is kevin durant are you sure it's food poisoning or are you just sick at the thought that kd once again went to a team with previous year had the best record (laughs) in the nba and is once again taking the easy road out and that's your boy it is truly unbelievable. No, or am I sick at the fact that John Wall got sent oh, yeah. back to the Houston Rockets um, after, you know, weeks after putting out a very scathing uh, interview about the, his time there. But no, I, you know, the, the funniest thing, man, is Durant is both the star cro- most star-crossed kind of superstar of, maybe of all time, as well as the luckiest MFR of all time too, right? Like this Brooklyn situation goes absolutely off the rails, Harden in, Harden out, Kyrie, you know, leading the leading the ship and now he's out ben simmons total corpse it looks fairly um you know hopeless we even talked last night about how they were a round one or round two team that could be competitive and that's not what he plays for lo and behold he gets put into an absolutely tailor-made situation one that is not just primed from a talent standpoint to make a run for the title but from a playing style standpoint in terms of the exact guys are going to mesh perfectly around him I can't wait to see it from like just like a visual standpoint, but God damn it, he pisses me off sometimes. It was, uh, I mean, you know, we shouldn't be too surprised because this was the big trade being rumored all offseason, right? Yeah, um, it was. It looked like it was going to happen at one point. The Suns, we know the Suns were interested. They were willing to part with Bridges or Aiden and a combination of picks. And KD had confirmed, I think, interest in going to Phoenix. And that was his preferred destination amongst a few others, I, I, if I remember correctly. So this was, you know, the the it wasn't out of the blue in the sense that we knew this was discussed at some point. I think the crazy thing was just how fast this fell apart. Like you said, with Kyrie, we didn't really know that he was going to request out. He was playing the good soldier. They were relatively still doing well, even though Katie was injured. They were uh, a contender in the East. And within the span of a week, both those guys are <laughs> gone and and the brooklyn experiment is done it's just it's insane it it really i mean they were 17 and 2 in the last 19 games that durant was healthy for this was a team that wasn't just about you know after last year's Harden simmons debacle that was kind of just like sitting there as like dying a slow death you know death by a thousand cuts kind of thing this was a team that uh, until recently people thought maybe these guys can make a run uh, to the title, you know, they are playing well enough. They have the top end talent. And it seemed like to your point, Kyrie was kind of in line. Everything goes haywire, you know, a week later, both are gone. And the, the, the funny thing is like Brooklyn. And I mentioned this last night, they would not have 
been in that precarious of a situation if it wasn't for the Harden trade, right? Because that was the one that actually required them to give up a lot of key assets. If it was Kyrie and KD and it ended this way and they didn't really, you know, they had their own picks, it would be one thing. And you'd be like, yeah, that sucks, but like it is what it is. The fact that they have like their future mortgage to Houston made these decisions so much more interesting because it wasn't exactly clear that they were just going to blow it up when they had the opportunity, right? Like there is a world in which they were like, you know what, winning 44 games and not handing over like the number six pick to the Rockets every year is actually a better outcome for us. But, you know, I, I guess Durant, despite, you know, playing through his earlier trade requests, probably reached ahead where he's like, I'm out and I might even sit and milk this knee injury five weeks longer than intended because I don't want to play for this organization anymore. Yeah, I think it must have gotten so toxic at that point. They can't, you know, we always talk about Durant being a guy who will play regardless if you don't trade him. But who knows? The situation might have gotten so toxic that just keeping him around was not going to help. Um, And they have him under contract after that extension for a while. So it's not that he's going to walk away in free agency. But at the same time, it's there's just too much risk and you can pull the trigger while he still has such value. Um, so let's talk about the trade, right? The trade was specifically Durant for Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, four unprotected first round picks in 23, 25, 27, 29, and a 28 pick swap. And and I should mention TJ Warren is also headed to Phoenix with Durant in that deal. So is this when you look at it from the Phoenix Sun standpoint first, before we get to the Nets, what do you think of what they gave up? Was it worth going after Durant with this type of package? Um, they lost a lot of depth. This is a very shallow roster now. You've got a, an old Chris Paul that you're still relying on. Was this the right move? Absolutely. I mean, you you just said it. You have an old Chris Paul. You have a two-year window. Durant is signed for three more years. Booker's already on his second max contract, so he's going to be there for the foreseeable future. Any core with a healthy Durant and Booker keeps your floor very high, even if Paul fades or retires. And you still got to keep Aiton, right, who Brooklyn didn't value, but for what Phoenix was trying to do is absolutely essential to keep on that roster. Um, all are under contract. You know, they have this new owner, Matt Ishbia, who's ready to break the bank, right, make his mark. And in terms of the package, to me, I've never felt like when a superstar, and this might be my own fault, but I've never felt when a superstar gets traded that the other team got the better end of the deal, right? There's only so much you can do within the context of losing by far the best player. I felt like the Harden Rockets to Brooklyn trade was a really good return. And I'm not counting Rudy Gobert, by the way, because he is uh, unfortunately not a superstar and was not at the time of the deal. I think this was actually, the more I thought about, thought about it and took a step back, like Phoenix gave up a ton, no question, but they have a real chance. And like Duran is the most malleable superstar maybe ever. So you can plug and play him in this year alone and really probably have no drop-off in your offensive production uh, and all the things that he has defensively. The depth is a question, but you have to sacrifice something to get something, right? And when that something is Kevin Durant, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot, and it's going to make you feel queasy, but I don't see a, uh, a, a situation where you end up with KD that's the wrong one. Home run move. You got to have the balls to do stuff like this. Like, what is I love it. the point? I, I Chris Paul, I think that's ultimately given his age, your title window or contention window is already shrinking because, I mean, you've got a lot of young pieces, but Aiden is not the same guy. Chris Paul is not as clearly declining. This is not the juggernaut team you were the last couple of years. If there's any time to just pull the trigger on a KD, it's this year when the West 
although it's gotten stronger, still wide open. And you can capitalize on all these assets. And, you know, like Mikel Bridges is a valuable asset. Cam mm-hmm. Johnson. And you give up the four picks. But at the same time, what we've seen in the, this league is the picks don't even matter now. Um, once Gobert went for five, at this point, I think you do you do a trade like this. You know you're going to contend for the next at least four years. Um, so the next, you know, at least two of those picks for sure are not that valuable. So uh, it, it's it's a no-brainer. Phoenix had every right to make this move, but now it also turns up the heat on them because Absolutely. there is no excuse for this year or next year for them not to at least be in the finals. And so we've seen uh, experiments like this fail in the past. Uh, it'll be interesting if this is a team that has shrunk in big-time games against the Mavs last year, um, you know, as a prime example, Hey, they, they were up 2-0 versus the Bucs and lost four straight, right? And up 2-0 against the Bucs. So, you know, Kevin Durant obviously changes the dynamics of everything, but Chris Paul, his teams have a tendency to underwhelm. So it, it's not a no-brainer that they're going to win the title, but they are very well in position to be kind of the leading candidate next to maybe Brooklyn well, and Boston, or Boston and well, Milwaukee. I mean, look, like Chris Paul being the third best player on this team, maybe fourth on some nights with Aiden, is by far the most advantageous position he's ever been in, right? So even those Clippers era, you know, teams when Blake Griffin was playing at all NBA levels, it was kind of Chris Paul's show. I think since he's got to Phoenix, Booker's taken over the mantle slowly as the number one guy, and you just added a dude who was the next year up from Booker. So I think people, you know, especially because they have not seen Durant play in about five, six weeks, and you're sort of forgetting, not forgetting how great he is, but forgetting how easy it is for him, right? That's the most important thing because – when you talk about any of these trades, the number one question is like, okay, what's the on-court fit going to look like, right? We talked about this with Kyrie last night, and to his credit, they looked awesome versus um, versus the Clippers. But guess what? You know, Luka Doncic wasn't playing. So what happens when he does? I think with Durant, we saw it in Golden State. I think you're going to see it here. It's going to be very, very easy offense for them. Now, the question is going to be age. It's going to be injuries. It's going to be depth. Those are all valid questions. Maybe they can add a little bit of muscle on the buyout market uh, to the extent that that's helpful. But they're going to have to have their stars log big minutes. I almost would just try to get a top six seed and really, really rest Chris Paul down the stretch so that he's kind of good to go come playoff time. And same thing with Durant. You know, Booker's already had a hamstring this year, so that's concerning to some degree. But, you know, absolute, absolute slam, home run, like you said. But I wanted to get your thoughts, right, Because on, on Brooklyn. Because Joe Sy and Sean Marks have shepherded this thing through four years of tumultuous time, and a lot of people are kind of, almost like thinking them as folk heroes for, for, you know, dealing with this over the, over that time. But how much blame should they get for this situation falling apart about as bad as we've seen a disaster fall apart since I don't know, Hindenburg or Three Mile Island or something? I think they get a ton of blame, right? And, and the blame goes both ways. The blame goes in the fact that they empowered KD and Kyrie too much early on. Yeah. The Nash hire was a bad one. They let, you know, they got bullied into bringing DeAndre Jordan. And then they try to swing the other way and, and play kind of the heavy hand and and uh, um, and and kind of impose their will on, on Kyrie and KD. And you can't have it both ways. I, I just think that their pattern of, of action, their patterns of action have not been consistent. And when you have a guy like KD and Kyrie, these egos that you need to massage and manage, look, any team would struggle with it. Right. It's not mm-hmm. like those guys are easy to deal with. But at the same time, I don't 
I don't think Brooklyn handled it that well. Now, that being said, I think they've come out of this entire situation in pretty good shape. I think this is a fantastic return for Durant. Now, on paper, you're like, okay, four first-round picks, Gobert went for five, whatever. You're getting Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. These guys have a ton of value. It could be flipped for yep. more picks. So you've you've made some bad decisions with Harden and and you know, forgetting about the past though, I think this helps solve a lot of those mishaps. And now they're in a pretty good position to either contend a little bit, when I say contend, at least be a frisky playoff team, or blow it up even further and go full tank mode. And I think the fact that they have that flexibility now is actually pretty great. Yeah, it is really like a roller coaster beyond what I can imagine. Because you think about when they're at just like the darkest of days, right? When they get swept by Boston, Ben Simmons has left the group chat. He won't respond when team play players are asking him if he's going to play in game four, right? And you fast forward, things are going good. It's going great. Suddenly we're back up to the top of the roller coaster. And now this is the bottom when you trade Kyrie and KD. Then you take a step back and you're like, wait a second. They have a really deep team. Um, a no bad players roster, a team that has flexibility to make moves, right? You have the draft capital again, and you have guys that are very coveted. Like, I think we would probably agree Mikael Bridges is better than OG Ananobi. And if Ananobi was going to you know, potentially get three firsts if, if Toronto wanted to move him, then certainly Bridges, that's the starting point, right? So they could add more to that. They could keep him and see what he looks like in a bigger role. And they have an owner who's willing to spend, right? So it's not necessarily a luxury tax question. They're going to be fascinating to watch because if you just think about it this season, they're probably going to make the playoffs. Like I would be pretty surprised if they fell at least out of the top eight. So they'll have a chance, right? Maybe they're playing game and they could get knocked out or maybe they're staying in the top six because they have a three or four game cushion with only you know 27 games to go. So this is why this is so interesting because they're not a team that's now looking at decade of just just purgatory right maybe that's going to be the outcome because these guys are just not good enough to really compete with the east but the east also got a lot weaker so who knows what that next iteration is going to look like who knows what a guy like james harden is going to do in the offseason or others chris middleton and suddenly the teams above you aren't as strong so it's a fascinating return i think it was as good as they were going to do given he wanted out and they i thought it was good as they were going to do on Kyrie, given that he wanted out so I give them credit, at least for this turnaround, but you're right. Like you can't empower them to the degree they did and then pull back to the degree that they did and not expect any type of like, wait, what, what's going on? Like, what am I being asked to do or what's, what am I being restricted from? So it's almost like you made your bed sleep in it. And they did, uh, to their credit, they, they kind of made the sheets next morning too. If that's a phrase. (laughs) It's sick, man. I I don't know what I'm saying. I know that that makes a lot of sense. I, I just think it's such a fascinating last couple of years. It's we talked about it yesterday, so I'm not going to go into it again. But Kevin Durant and I don't know what to think of it, man. I really thought this was the chance where we talked about this a lot. He comes to Brooklyn; it's his own team. Sure, he gets Kyrie. Sure, he maybe gets a Harden, but this is really his team. He's going to lead them. He almost led them past the Bucks despite the injuries. And now it's just back to the same old narrative where he doesn't want to be in a situation where they've catered to everything he wanted. OKC did the same. Golden State did the same. And at some point, it's like, dude, we get it. You just want to be in a position to to win another title, whatever yeah. that takes. And you don't want to have to be kind of the catalyst for that. So 
it's it's the same old story. Kevin Durant's still an amazing player, but man, if they flame out with this team, oh god! Like, think about what that me, looks like for Kevin Durant. Let me ask you, big picture. I'm going to go positive for a second. If the Suns win the title this year or next year, whatever they win one with this core, and Durant presumably wins Finals MVP, so he's got three titles, three Finals MVPs. Where would that push him for you? Kind of back into that really Durant versus Steph. Durant versus Shaq versus Hakeem, that that range, which I think he's at the bottom of now, but that would certainly help kind of validate maybe the earlier two championships that aren't given as much credence. I don't know if it moves it that much, but it, a little bit, right? Because you'd expect that he would have had to beat Boston or Milwaukee or a really right. good team in the finals. Um, the West is not the hardest, but he might have to go through the Clippers and Kawhi and, and Jokic and the Nuggets. So it, it might be more impressive for sure. But at the same time, I think a Brooklyn title to me would have really vaulted him. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it's it's weird, but like Brooklyn, even though he had a super team with KD and, and or sorry, with Kyrie and Harden, to me, a title with those guys would have been way more impressive because they hadn't done it all together. Harden is not a winner. Kyrie is not a, I mean, with LeBron, he is. Um, you know, but this is once again, a, a, a joining a team that, they went to the finals. They were up 2-0 in the finals. Yeah. You know, same as the Warriors. He went to a team that lost in the finals. So it's hard for me to give him too much credit, even if he wins a title here. But to he's, your, he's still going to be in that 12, 13, 14 range for me. To your point, I think people forget that the Suns won 64 games last year because of how horrific that game seven was versus Dallas. Yeah. Um, and then kind of how much they've struggled out of the gates this year. But this was a team with largely the same core that was running away with the league's best record. Um, and now you had this guy who turns out can turn great into, into historic pretty well. We've seen him do that. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a fascinating experiment. And like to, to the point of that, the West, like who knows, right? Like the West and we're going to get to this, like they absolutely loaded up, you know, it's like they had like a four month run where people were like, Oh, the East is definitely better. And they heard it. They were like, you know, that's cute, et cetera. Yeah, fine. Maybe it's been a long time. It seems you know, it seems like it would make sense for the tide to turn and boom, suddenly Clippers make moves, Lakers make moves, you know, the Warriors added a little bit, Grizzlies added a little bit, like all these team Mavericks obviously got Kyrie, all these teams are sort of gearing up for this this run and the balance of power feels like it's shifted a little bit back west. So in, t- in that context right now, having not seen them even play a game together, would you make Phoenix your prohibitive favorite in the west or do you still think it's someone else? Easy. Easy wow. number one favorite. Okay. Not even a question. This is you don't want to see them play basketball at all. Huh? No, I mean, I think I like what okay, we look. What we know about Katie is he can slot into any team and be great. That there's no doubt about that. And what we know about Phoenix this year is when Booker was healthy, this was a very good team. Now the depth is a big question mark, and they've got question marks on the roster. But who who are we talking about here? The Clippers? We'll get to the Clippers in a second. They made some moves around the fringes, but I I still don't have full confidence in Kawhi and Paul George to the level that I'd pick them over a Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker team. I, I definitely don't. Yeah, and, and the Nuggets, worth. and the Nuggets, once again, like as good as they are this season, it's hard for me to believe it until I see it in the postseason and 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 see what Jamal Murray can contribute now in a playoff series now that he's back and and Michael Porter Jr. and how they he does in a full full intense playoff series and defensively how he holds up. So all these teams have flaws. And and I think this is the one team that 
like like they don't even have to rely on Chris Paul. Like in those couple of years that they made the, these playoff runs, Chris Paul was still a vital part of their late game offense. They relied on him to to you know bail them out of possessions, hit those mid range shots. Now you got KD and Booker. It's there's no way that this team is not the favorite in the West. It would appear that they should be. Um, and it's not like it's going to be difficult to play together. I don't know, man. Like, it takes a little bit of time, right? Like, when have we seen a midseason trade of a player of this magnitude swing a title? Like, the last guy I'm even thinking of, and I may be totally missing someone, so keep me honest here, but I was thinking of, like, the Pistons adding Rasheed Wallace, right, in 04. And to say Rasheed Wallace had a slightly lower usage than Kevin Durant would be an understatement. Um, and the Pistons didn't have to give up that much, right? That was the day and age where you weren't trading like 19 different assets to acquire a guy. So I don't know. I don't know if there's any been any like mid-season trades that have truly played. Basically, you're going to become immediately your best player, which is kind of interesting. But they are the mid-range gods, man. You don't need a lot of passing to just have them get to their spots and rise up from 18. Like they're Paul Booker. Durant and even Aiton when he shoots them, which is not often. The stats have been flying around about these are like four of the ten best mid range guys like in the league today, and three of the best ever. Yeah, and that I think is a playoff recipe for success. The so for me, the Suns by far, um, and and you know we have teams like Memphis who've also fallen off. Sacramento is not you know let's be real, they're third seed right now. They're not going to contend. So there are a lot of these. Teams I feel bad for Sacramento, man. Wait, I feel bad for them. Like this was kind of the year that was shaping up to be something, and it's not that it can't. I still think Kings are going to keep the top six spot, but it's starting to get a little tight. Dude, little tight is an understatement. Our schedule gets brutal. Uh, we, we our next three games are against Dallas, Dallas, Phoenix. Um, granted, they may not have all their guys. It's really shitty because this is the one year it was all good vibes. The West is down our year to maybe finish in the top four. And now I think we'll be lucky to escape the plan. And at the very least, hopefully we make the plan. And then you know what it's going to be, right? It's going to be Fox versus Ant. The debate will be settled in that 7-8 matchup. Yes, it'll be. <laughs> and, and that's a team I don't want to play. I really don't want to play Minnesota. All the team, dude, every single team below us scares me. There's not a single I team mean, I feel confident about beating. Like all the way down to ten or eleven, they or all 12. have stars. Even right? OKC scares me. <laughs> like I, they all have stars that you could argue are better than the Kings' best player. Exactly. Right. You have LeBron and AD. You have SGA. You have Dame. You have well, Minnesota's the one. But like, if they get something back from Ant and kind of Cat, and we'll see. That's the one I f- I would actually pick the Kings to win. Um, and then you have Zion, right? Who knows when he's going to be healthy yeah. and ready to roll. You have Curry, so it's like all these teams are kind of loaded with like a what feels like a tier one or tier two superstar. Dude, I, every team is going to be jostling at the I think towards the end to get a game against the Kings. You know, there's always that one team you'd rather play, and you sometimes see teams intentionally throwing a game here and there and, and to go up or down the standings. I think every West team is salivating to play the Kings, and it's unfortunate because the Kings ultimately, guess what? Everyone in this arms race made moves except them. And they sat still except for Kessler Edwards from the Nets. That was the one move they made. Um, and it was disappointing because now they really might fall behind the pack. But 
It is what it it's is. also disappointing that the Nets didn't hang on to him and just have a roster of twelve wings. Yeah, it's an like NBA they could just, and then if they just kept him and Jay Crowder, they could have played only six, 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 six to six eight rangy three and D guys. Dude, like they have the market on three and D guys. It's it's incredible. Like all those guys playing together, it'll be very interesting to watch. But at the same time, also interesting to see what they could get for them in the offseason. The only the only guy I thought they were going to move, and not to spend too much time on the Nets, but the only guy I thought they were going to move beyond Jay Crowder, which felt pretty obvious, was uh, Cam Johnson, only because he's due a contract this offseason. Yeah. And if you're paying Dorian Finney-Smith, you're paying Mikel Bridges, and you have Ben Simmons just sitting there for $35 million a year, is there money to pay Cam? Does it realistically make sense? And I think they could have gotten, I don't know, I feel like they could have gotten at least a first, if not a first and a young player of, of worth, right, for him. So. Yeah. All right, so let's switch gears to other teams in the West. Um, let's start with the Clippers. So the Clippers have been floundering around basically all year. Uh, we've taken enough shots at them for their desire or lack thereof to play basketball. Finally, seems like Kawhi and PG are at least showing up at the arena more often than they did uh, earlier in the year. And the team's been playing well because of that, right? Uh, lack, uh, nonwithstanding the loss to the Kyrie-led Mavericks at home last night, which I thought was a pretty bad loss. They they have been playing better. They're up to, I think, now five or six in the West. They had a huge issue with point guard, um, had an issue with backup big. So what do they do? They swap out John Wall, who I'll get to him in a second, Reggie Jackson, uh, Luke Kennard, I think a couple seconds to bring in, across multiple deals this is, to bring in Mason Plumlee from Charlotte, Bones Highland from Denver, and um, who am I forgetting? Oh, Eric Gordon, Gordon from Houston. What did you think of their ma- roster makeover on the fringes without really touching their top four or five core p- players? I liked it. I think they needed a shakeup. I think um, Reggie Jackson, it, it, it's time for that to end. John Wall clearly had no value. And and Luke Kennard, as as good as he's played, he was really great last year for them. But you know his minutes already these were not the same this year. They weren't utilizing him the same way. And now you get a guy like Mason Plumlee, who they've needed. We've talked about their their big depth, um, the defensive kind of bigs as a huge gap for them the last several years. Bones Highland gives them a little dynamicism on offense uh, and shooting. And then you know Eric Gordon, I'm not a huge fan of. He's he's whatever at this point, but he can still shoot. He he can still contribute minutes. And yeah. so I, I like the fact that they made moves on the fringes. They didn't disrupt anything too much, uh, but they're kind of retooling under the assumption that, look, this is the year they're going to get Kawhi and Paul George fully healthy for a playoff run. And that's enough that those two guys, the guys they have right now, and then swapping these pieces out and that swapping out a negative like wall. I, I think it was really solid moves. Wait, what did you say at the end there? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, look, I think the Plumlee move was great. Um, definitely need some insurance behind Zubac if they run into a Jokic and he's got Zubac in the hell and foul trouble early on or an Anthony Davis, whoever it might be. The thing that I didn't like is Luke Kennard is probably better than Eric Gordon right now, right? He he's is. more injury prone, but as a shooter, he's way past where Gordon is at this stage of his career. And then if you just think of it as like Highland for Wall and Jackson, like, yeah, probably Highland's better. But what was the issue with those guys? They were shot hunting. They were not getting into the flow of the offense, and they were not orchestrating things in a way that put PG and Kawhi in good situations. 
what have we ever seen from Bones Highland to think he's going to be able to do that? <laughs> like, then, then you bring up the question of like, okay, is this really all a precursor for signing um, Russell Westbrook? Uh, <laughs> so that I think is is a huge mistake if they do that. But right, that's the thing, right? Sure, he can pass, but like at what cost? You know. And how many times are you going to have a situation like Lakers Thunder on Tuesday where he's looking off LeBron, looking off AD to take 20 shots in a game that the Lakers could have won if they just played a little smarter? And he particularly turned the ball over less and took you know better shots. He's going to absolutely kill the Clippers on multiple occasions in that. And if it happens in a playoff game, that could be the difference between a series win and loss. Yeah. I, I Look, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I just think that this team needed to shake something up. And I think the Plumley move, like you you mentioned, I think is is the big. I really wanted Plumley for the Kings. He's not a flashy name. He's been around for a while, but he's he's a solid. He's been a very solid role player this year for Charlotte. Defensively, gives them another dimension. And uh, I get it, Bones Highland. But guess what? Reggie Jackson was also a gunner and a loose cannon. And I think. Whatever, you swap one loose cannon for another. They just needed to mix something up with this roster, give it a little bit new energy. And I, I Gordon is the only one that I think doesn't move the needle really at all, but the others I didn't mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of under the assumption that they are going to make a move at point guard with, with someone like Russ. I don't think Kyle Lowry gets bought out, but that would be ideal. Um I just feel like they didn't solve their number one problem, which is they don't really have an orchestrator. And they got better. Uh, to your point, a lot of this is based on the fact that Kawhi and PG every night in the playoffs is going to make it work. But I feel like even when they play, there's so much inconsistency, right? You look at the second half versus the Bucks when they lost that big lead, and Kawhi was just bricking shot after shot. You look at the, Mem- uh, the Mavericks game the other night, Kawhi scores two points in the first half, right? Just looks out of sorts. He's great in the second, but it's too little too late. And it just feels like when you compare it to some of the great scorers in the league who are getting 10 to 15 every half, every game, they don't have that because they rely so much on jump shooting. And it feels like at this stage of their careers, they're not creating like quite the separation they did. Hey, look, maybe I'm totally wrong. And this comes all to on a, you know turns in the playoffs and you know, Kawhi is Terminator again. It just feels like what they're expecting out of them with the way they built the roster around them um, is not quite where they're at currently. Yeah, I would not disagree with any of that. It's they that point guard is still a big hole for them, and that separation point you made is is a really good one. They just don't they can't create the same way as they used to. So no, um, on, and on offense, you still have a bunch of guys who just hunt their own shots. So it's it's not solving any of their real fundamental issues except for that big depth. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I still think that if if you had to rank them in the West. I'd probably put Phoenix, Denver, and then Clips next. I'd actually really? take them over Memphis okay. at this point. And would you take them over Golden State, a healthy Golden State? I mean, healthy I mean, Golden only... State, well, I don't know if they'll be healthy, right? I um, I mean, Curry will be back, but just with all he's dealt with, this is just a weird year for them, so I don't take them as seriously as I have in the past. Well, that's the crazy thing, right? You look up and they're like a game and a half behind the Clippers, despite all of this nonsense that's gone on for them. And yeah, so, but they still have they, to survive a lot of time without Curry. Or when is he back? Survive, yeah, he's going to miss like a month. So yeah. I guess that started like almost a week ago. So another three, three and a half weeks. Yeah, probably. and and the thing is, the separate like there's only twenty five something games left. Yeah, yeah, and 
what missing Curry for another seven, eight games is a huge, huge uh, kind of impact. That's thirty three percent of the remaining remainder of the season. So Golden State's right. going to struggle so, a little bit. They might going to fall out, fall in the plan. They have to find a way to stay 500. And if they can't, then they could even be caught by like a team like the Lakers, who, in addition to all they think, all that they did uh, last night with with Russell, Beasley, and Vanderbilt and Rui, they also added Mobamba today. So, yep. I thought the Lakers did a great job retooling without giving up much of anything. Um, And the protections on that pick, which was just top four protected, and if it doesn't convert, it turns into a second, is genius, right? Because you have one shot for the Lakers to be bad, but if they're too bad, then they get to keep the pick and it's all good. So, you know, whether that results in anything more than getting to like 10 or 9, I don't know. Uh, just because even when they've got their guys, they're not playing that well. Um, but I do think it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, they're not chicken scratch. And at this point, like OKC has not shown signs of slowing down or starting to sit their dudes either. Yeah. So the problem with LA is they just have no margin for error. It's right. so razor thin that while they've gotten much better on paper, they can't afford. And like tonight, LeBron's out. And we knew that, and they're beating the Bucks right now in the first half. But yeah, and it's one of those games where yeah, they don't expect to win, but you can't afford to have a lot of these nights where you're load managing AD or LeBron because you can't get any more losses. They have to go on a tear. So right, um, it'll be interesting to watch them too because I think you know we talked about the Lakers yesterday that we both love the trade, getting Mobamba. Um, today also for Bev, Pat Bev. I think they've gotten rid of a lot of the characters and you've gotten some adults who can shoot, who are big, uh, who seem like they could all play on a playoff team. And I think that is going to make a difference for them. So, yeah, I want to talk about the rest of the trade landscape, but there's one question about KD uh, that I wanted to ask you. And we've talked about this a lot uh, as a, in the context of player empowerment and things of that nature. <sighs> Is this fun for you? Um, or is this a dopamine hit at the time you get the Woj tweet notification and then all you're doing is spending all of your next month, couple months just rearranging in your mind who's good, who's not good, who's a title favorite, who's not? Like, At what point do we get overserved on the quote-unquote craziness to the point that it just becomes predictable, boring, and sort of turns us off from, like I think, what we like about the game, which is the cohesiveness, the chemistry, you know, the march up the hill kind of thing that's been basketball lore for pretty much the entire history of the league. I don't think it's fun. This season was supposed to be about Denver finally getting it together. Uh, it was supposed to be about you know, uh, Boston, Luka, the Mavs, uh, about Boston, about um, Memphis growing up, you know, a young team. And I think you can't like the way I look at it is the storylines don't have time to breathe. These teams right. don't have time to breathe because all of a sudden the Kevin Durant moves somewhere. Um, it becomes an arms race and either you get left behind or you as a team have to make a drastic change just to keep up. And it creates ripple effects that we see in the league and all this movement. It's just, I don't think it's fun, but uh, I yeah. will say, I will say the one fun thing about it. One fun thing about Durant is we need villains in the NBA. And when the Lakers are bad, when the best teams in the league are guys like Jokic and Giannis and all easy to root for, even Boston, even though we don't like Boston, Tatum and Brown. Yeah, like Tatum is easy, extremely right? likable, right? Yeah. It's nice to be like... Tatum, oh, by the way, is like Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Super likable dude. All you want him 
is for him to succeed, but just in a different damn uniform if possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a good comp. But you know what's also fun for me? It's fun watching teams like the Suns flame out. Uh, and I, I will take pleasure in watching Durant choke or the team choke and somehow lose. There is some fun in that, but I think overall I agree with you. It's it hasn't been great. But what do you? Yeah, think? and well, to me, it's like let's say two hours after the. Uh, Kevin Durant news dropped that, you know, t- Woj tweeted, hey, Jimmy Butler is traded to Denver for Michael Porter Jr. in a, you know, bevy of picks. You'd be like, holy shit, we'd all be texting each other. It's like, Jimmy Butler, that would be his fifth team in like 10, 11 years. It, it's almost not surprising, but because we're almost trained to play into the storyline, to play into the theatrics of it all, we feel that way. And then your point is, yeah, Miami had four years and that's the max that anybody would get at this day and age before they start thinking, you know, big picture or different options. And that's just frustrating. Like I, I don't like, like one of the reasons I got turned off from college basketball amongst the fact that they suck is that um, the rosters changed basically every year, right? With the one and dones at first. And now you have the transfer portal that, you know, all those things. And I'm not going to sit here and like, try to like tell you that I don't believe in NIL or anything. Obviously Mm -hmm. I do. I'm happy for them. I just, I don't feel like the product is as good, right? When I got to learn the entire new roster of Kentucky every single season. It's starting to become like that in the NBA, where even if you know all the players, you just know them from other stories. So you can't just think about like, oh, Kyrie and KD, the way that they lost to Brooklyn last year, here's what they're going to do differently this time around if they see them, right? And what did I spend all season talking about? How the wing depth, how the increased defense, how the better shooting, the health are going to give them the ammo they need to give Boston a much better fight. Uh, than they did the prior year when they got swept and we don't even get to see it, you know, or we don't get to see them go against Milwaukee, who I think they match up with really well, in fact, and I think they would actually give them a really good series and may even win. We don't get to see that. Right. And with Phoenix, it's like, okay, we had one shot with Paul two, two, two years with Paul and Booker. It didn't work. And instead of trying to figure something out, we're just going to go nuclear and blow this whole thing up. And by the way, we both think that was a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're making dumb moves. It's that the nature of the contracts, the nature of the unhappiness or whatever it is, um, is is sort of messing with, I think, a lot of the joy that I get watching basketball um, because I like to see it. At, you know, what is Luca going to do year after year? How is he going to come back differently uh, and win with this Mavericks team? So it's it's frustrating. I get it. Um, nobody should be forced into NBA purgatory because they are trying to be quote unquote loyal. Like we also clown Dame for doing that too. So we can't have it both ways, but whatever this is, is not, I think where the league is going to be healthiest long-term. I think it'll get better though. I, if you look the crux of it is Katie's on his fourth different team. Yeah. Um, Kyrie's on his fourth different team. Yeah. Arden is on his fourth different team. Westbrook's on his fifth different team. About um, to be sixth, yep. And the guy who's been in the league the longest, who's been accused of the most player hopping. And he's on his fourth team. Sorry, he's on his third team. LeBron, Dude, you can't oh, count the Cavs. Fine, fine. Dude, no, fourth. timeout. Fourth. He's on his fourth team. But the funny thing is LeBron actually did it the way that we want players to do it, which is, um, you know, play well, out the contract. Do we want that either? Do we want the one and ones where they're holding him hostage every year, but they won't commit? Like, that doesn't seem well, very Well, people can't make either. up their mind. People don't want you to have one on ones, but they also don't want you to sign a five year deal and then ask for a trade in the middle. People want what Giannis did. They want you to stay home and then win a title. So you're neither sacrificing success nor loyalty. Now, yeah, man, ideally, dream? but 
That's a I, pipe dream. Ideally, but the reality is, Giannis, if he didn't get Drew Holiday, if they didn't make those moves because he was pressuring the front office, he would have left too. Like, he said that. Not that yeah. he'd leave, but he said that he didn't know if he'd stay if they didn't make the right moves to put people around him. So anyways, I agree with you. It's um, I really miss being able to see a team kind of keep trying, keep trying, get better, make moves on the fringes, and finally poke through. We never get that because either they take a shortcut or they blow it up or something happens and and we never hear from them again. There's no long-term narrative arc we can follow with these teams anymore. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And like, you know, and I think it's it's weird because we ourselves have now conditioned to think, oh, it's time to blow it up. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like man. we ourselves are like, dude, what are the Bulls doing? What are the Raptors doing? Like, can you believe the Lakers are trying out with AD again? Like they should move him. Um, and so I think it's like it's like Stockholm syndrome or some type of like I feel like we're being gaslit. Some something's happening, but uh, I'm it's, really it's curious the, how they negotiate the next CBA's contracts. It's the TikTok era, man. We just need that dopamine <laughs> hip as fast as possible. There's no patience. The algorithms are gonna get us, man. And they have already. <laughs> I watch so many. Uh, what are your uh, feed kind of options? Mine, mine are all like cooking videos asmr cooking. i get videos, a lot of cooking a lot of asmr i get a lot of the sports like lineups type content yeah. oh you know what i get because i'm just a redfin fiend i get like the, <laughs> the here's what 250 million dollars i know buy you in new york you city share that and it's with, this, <laughs> you share a lot of that with our uh, at least with the booth thread and it's like this dude walking through this ridiculous like four-story penthouse apartment in new york city fake facing central park and I'm like, if I had $250 million or whatever, I mean, what, how, how rich would you need to be to own a $250 million place? Like, you would have to be worth like $5, $10 billion at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so, $250 million? That's... What's the mortgage on that thing? <laughs> or you think I, I don't, I don't feel like that's... I feel like your feed is not filled with those. It's filled mostly with... This 150k mansion you get in like some random suburb no, of Texas. I, I I elevated. I got promoted at work, so I get the better stuff <laughs> get now. The, now it's different. Yeah. <laughs> no, I still love those. Like Marfa, Texas, four bedroom, four bath, beautiful for 375. Then you're like, Why don't we live here? I'm like, dude, do you know where that is? I'd move to Marfa tomorrow. You give me league pass. You give me a pool. You give me some type of like maybe a country club membership to just play golf and make friends that way. I'll be there before you can before Durant can ask out of this of Phoenix. <laughs> yeah um uh, all right so let me ask this what team were you most surprised did not make a move today or really this trade season dude the raptors they made a move but they were buyers they got jacob jacob purtle uh Very and confusing. that was to me i don't know what they're doing i uh, was it that they didn't like the offers they got for ananobi siakam Van Vliet, I, I think, mean, is being talked about now, though, as moving maybe to, to the Clippers. I don't know what they ended up getting for Ananobi, but I just saw a tweet from Zach Lowe saying that someone offered the Nets four firsts for Mikael Bridges. Yeah. So if that's his offer, I got to think three was easily on the table for OG. I think, yeah, and I think Memphis was one of those teams that was highly rumored to want OG and would have paid up three picks. So I was actually very surprised that none of those guys got moved. I thought OG Ananobi's leading candidate, but I thought Toronto for the right price would also be willing to part with Siakam. And yeah. 
the fact that none of that happened, they got Pirtle, it's it's a weird situation for me. So that one, and then the Kings, who I was surprised that they made no moves on the fringes. I really thought they'd go after a big man. They had 11 second-round picks, and apparently second-round picks were the currency this trade deadline. Everyone was going for like three picks, four picks. And the Kings I think I saw like 50 picks got traded or something like that. Not like uh, exclusive picks, like some were traded for and then traded again, but... I, I, yeah, just, I, mean, I don't get it. Like, there's only 30 picks in the second round, just like the first round. How do teams <laughs> have so many? Like, why are they all concentrated dude, in, like, the hands It's like of- Dogecoin, man. The <laughs> unlimited supply, and you just bet it up no matter what. Dude, yeah, I don't know how many insane. years out these picks are. Like, OKC, I think, has, like, 40 combined first and seconds or something like that. And I think uh, Brooklyn is probably getting pretty close, even though they gave up all their own, just from what they've gotten between Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. So... um. Yeah, for me, it was Miami. Like, hmm. what's Miami doing? What's their plan? Is it just going to be, let's rely on Jimmy, Bam, and Hero? You know Lowry's a zero. Is it basically like, we're going to get good production from our role players because we always do. We coach them up. And Haywood Highsmith and Nikola Jovic and Caleb Martin, all these guys are going to play big playoff roles for us. Like, I just think if Butler is at that age, Bam is ready to win, Hero's under contract, like, why not figure out a way to really go for it? And I get it that they don't have assets. Like, teams are asking for two firsts just to take on Duncan Robinson. So that's, like, a pretty much swift no there. Um, but it just felt like the – especially with Brooklyn kind of taking itself out of the contender race, with Philly being a team that Miami knows that they can beat, and with Boston being a team that they went to seven with last year, like, why not make a move, do something to try to add to that front court, especially because they have really have nothing behind Butler and Bam. My actually, I didn't even think about Miami. They surprisingly quiet, and everything you said is spot on. They're <laughs> and they're usually an aggressive team, so I don't know what their plan is. I Maybe no it's way to the off season and and try to, you know, they're always going to be involved in every free agency conversation, cap space or not. But I don't know. It feels weird to waste a year of Butler when he's playing this well, and when Bam is playing this well. It really is. Yeah. Um. um other team, I think a Memphis, they got Luke Kennard. I thought maybe they'd be a little bit more aggressive uh, with OG specifically, or yeah. maybe a swing move, or like a, a trade that kind of came out of nowhere. But because they've got pieces too, they've got assets that they could easily kind of fork over. Um, but they didn't do much, right? And so, in the grand scheme of things, Luke Kennard is a great fit, but there are a lot of other teams in the West now that are kind of inching towards Memphis. So. Well, it was reported that Brooklyn only negotiated with Phoenix for what it's worth. I don't know if that's true or not, but if, if the, if the Grizzlies put four firsts and Desmond Bain out there, I think that gets that done too. And we, I don't know if Durant wants to play in Memphis, but we know he's boys with John thinks the world of him. That would be a wild, that would have been a squad. Yeah. (laughs) Cause he gives them exactly what they need, which is half court patience, efficiency, you know, clock is winding down, the the, the, the possession is lost, and he's going to get you a bucket. And they don't really have that right now. That would be amazing. I think that team could have been better than uh, the Phoenix team, right? Ja, Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams, Kevin Durant. Because they're exactly because Right. And you still have the top-end talent with Ja and KD, who are both two of the top 15 players in the league, right? Or top 10 or whatever you want to put Ja at. And you're already in a good position in terms of being second in the West. Right, so yep. you're already and you have defensive player of the year. Like you kind of got it all ready to go. Yeah, 
Man, I didn't um, even think about that, but that would have been a, a great trade. And they were kind of rumored in the offseason. And at the time, it was like Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain and all these picks was sort of like what was floated out. That would have probably been too much. But now that the price came down, because if you remember, Aiton was in a lot of those KD rumors in the offseason too. And they got to keep him here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what player, to wrap things up, were you surprised? And we mentioned OG. So take OG off the list. What player were you surprised after all the rumors uh, did not get moved today? I think not as much surprised because towards as we got close to the deadline, it became clear he wasn't moving. But John Collins, yeah. it's just been um, usually it's Miles Turner, but Miles Turner got locked up and it looked like Indiana wanted him uh, or at least willing to extend him. But John Collins has been on the trade market. It's been very transparent that they they wanted to move him they don't want to pay him um and he didn't get moved and and i know that it was reported close to the deadline that they were going to keep him but that was one name i thought all along this year some team was going to go after him or trade for him he he really exemplifies the uh oh shit here we go again meme from (laughs) grand theft auto because we've got to sit through I think this is now, especially now that Miles Turner is off the board since he signed the extension, but he's now taken the crown for longest period of time, just blue balling all NBA media coverage Yep. Um, with the lack of trade. I know the Wizards were in on him a while ago, and they've backed off and a lot of different teams. But yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to come back and revisit this in the offseason because I guarantee you they're going to spin it up again. Um, I'm going to go two guys. One is kind of cheating, which is Fred Van Vliet from the Raptors. Um, I just, I really thought he was actually maybe more likely to be moved than OG because OG is under contract next year. And so they don't have to make a decision. Van Vliet can opt out. He wants big time money and he hasn't really played that well this year. And so the Raptors are going to have to face a pretty hard decision about whether to really keep him given Scotty Barnes is coming up and some other guys. And then the other player is Tim Hardaway Jr., which fringe move may not have you know made massive ripples but just trading a little bit more offense for defense given you got rid of Spen- uh you know spencer dinwiddie and dorian finney smith you added Kyrie. you need to bolster depth but more importantly you need to bolster some wing defense because they don't really have that in spades right now and you're trotting out if you trot out him luca um Kyrie, wood and let's say maxi kleba or dwight powell those are basically four average to minus defenders and that's going to be tough to get stops in the playoffs with with that lineup. So maybe they end up playing Josh Green more or Bullock or whatever. I just thought they would look to to sort of replace his offense with someone who can guard. Yeah, those also. I mean, Fred Van Vliet to me uh, wasn't he. So I could have sworn I saw something about him going to the Clippers. Yeah, that was a deal, a deal that was discussed. Works. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I thought that would actually be very interesting. He still doesn't solve their uh, kind of off getting them into the offense, true point guard kind of issues, but as just an offensive a spot up shooter spot who can play off the ball or on ball. Guys. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. So, yeah, I, I thought that would have been an interesting move uh, to see him move, but I don't know. Toronto, man, they're very confusing to me. I have no idea what they want to do. Maybe they're just willing to let it ride to the offseason. The rumor has it Orlando is trying to throw a bag at him too. So I don't know if the Clippers were willing to pay that much going to the tax, and they're like, do we really give up like Terrence Mann and Norman Powell the for? They don't, they don't care about the tax. Yeah, that's true. But like, I don't even know what's eligible with 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 all the different rules that they're probably breaking salary cap wise. <laughs> but um, 
I'm not sure. So maybe they were like, look, this could be a rental. Maybe he wants to go to Orlando if this thing doesn't work. So why why give up Powell and uh, Man or something like that? Yeah. A couple other moves just to wrap up some of the contenders made, right? We got Jay Crowder to the Bucks. Yep. We had Golden State trading Wiseman for five seconds, which <laughs> then went to getting uh, Payton back. Gary Payton, second. Yep. Uh, any, any other moves or those that you liked, you thought were interesting? So Crowder felt very just necessary, right? I feel like we've been getting teased with that deal for a long time. I like that they did not have to give up Grayson Allen, who even if you don't think the world of him is a good shooter and he's a good guard to play, especially if Middleton's has any injury issues down the stretch. I mean, it's interesting. When the Blazers acquired Thibault, I was like, why would they do that? They have his like facsimile in Peyton. And then it made sense when Peyton was on the move. I don't know what the Warriors are doing. I mean, I, I get it. They're bolstering their bench and they're trying to get guys who fit their system. And we, they obviously know he does. I thought that was a good deal. I just don't know, to your point, do they have enough juice this year with kind of the injuries and where they're going to end up in the standings and all those kinds of things. The only other trade um, I, would, I would mention is Philly getting Jalen McDaniels for just a couple seconds. I thought that was pretty nice. It's another wing uh, in their stable with Melton, with Corkmaz, with um, Shake Milton, and obviously like Harris and Maxie and Harden, all those guys. So they have a lot of players on that team. I don't know how the you know how many mouths they're going to be able to feed, but I think it gives them a little bit of defensive versatility um, to replace what they lost in Tybal. So that was the only other one I thought was good and obviously a low price. No, really good. And Tybal had just become I don't know, man. He's just such a net zero on offense. It, it's becoming hard to justify the defensive talent. So I think for them, I think getting off Tybal, getting a guy like Jalen McDaniel's in, really good move. Once again, the kind of moves that just help shore up the fringes of your roster. And Philly is going to need all the help they can get, especially going into some of these series against the Bucks and, and the Celtics. So I like yep. that. Golden State, yeah. Wiseman was interesting. Uh, it's just he seems I, – I don't know why Detroit. Did they, they reroute four centers, or did they end up with Wiseman? No, they ended up with them. They got four guys like under the age of 24 or something. Yeah, uh, which made no sense. So another, I mean, you already have Bagley as a project. Why get another project? Um, but and yeah, you have Duran and Stewart, who are decent and also and young great. and somewhat fit. And the, yeah, good. they fit those yeah. project roles. So it's like how, you can't give all these guys minutes, especially in today's NBA. Like, how are you going to give four of these centers minutes? But um, I don't know. Other than that, a lot of other small moves we didn't get to. But I think the biggest takeaway from all of today was. The West is reloading. Um, the Kings didn't do anything. And <laughs> I was going to say, wait till after the deadline to press record. That's the biggest takeaway for me. <laughs> and yeah. And ah, I don't Just know. Just in Katie, case we get the biggest midseason trade in like 25 years. What is? I said, just in case we get the biggest midseason trade in like 25 oh, years. Oh, yeah, dude. We were so convinced nothing was going to happen. We um, talked about it. We said he's probably going to be moved this summer, but I would be shocked if no, it no, happened. No, no, you said that. I actually I said, said that. Yeah, I right, said right. I could see them getting moved at the deadline, um, but I, I, I didn't predict it. I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. And look, another benefit of being on the West Coast is I'm not asleep when these things happen. If then you're, you saw this news, I don't know how many hours later. I was just <laughs> waiting to see a reaction. I already had all this discourse about the trade with so many other people, and then 
you rise and shine and God knows when and finally learn about this trade after five other moves have probably already happened. Between so. our spreads thread, Kush in Thailand and all sorts of stuff going on, like I must have woken up to like a hundred text messages. <laughs> I thought someone died. I was like, nope, just KD getting his way yet again. The funny thing is usually it's us on the West Coast. The irony is who that ended up happening to because by the time we're awake, a lot of things have happened. But right, it's good to see right. once it happened to you instead. So, um, All right. This has been an incredibly fun deadline. So now we got a two-parter. Just, you know, that, that makes sense. We're playing back-to-backs after taking a couple weeks off. So this was necessary. I think 23 trades was a final tally. Absolute madness. And now we get to see the real fun, which is the 25-game stretch that's going to dictate how these playoff seedings end up. So thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Uh, please follow us on all social media. We will talk to you next week. Peace.